Good afternoon, everyone. Happy Thursday. We are happy to be here with you uh, today. Um, I'm Allison Scalber, Consolidated Planning Group. If this is the first time that you have ever joined us for one of our webinars, um, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, if you have joined many of ours in the past, um, welcome back. We're, we're definitely glad you're back uh, as well. So from a housekeeping perspective, I always like to go over that in the beginning. Um, in case anybody's wondering, we are in webinar mode today. So we cannot see you or hear you, but we do know that you're there. Um, and um, so what we would like you to do today as we're going through the presentation, um, should you have questions, we're going to be answering as many questions as we can as we um, throughout the presentation. Um, we ask you th that you go ahead and put those questions in the chat box. I'll be monitoring the chat box and we'll read those questions out to Anna Lee. Um, so just uh, for a, an update, Consolidated Planning Group, we are a holistic special needs financial planning firm. Uh, we do a lot of advocacy work. We do a lot of webinars um, and helping our families um, that have a loved one with a disability plan for their future. We have a YouTube channel, um, Consolidated Planning Group YouTube, YouTube, that all of our past webinars um, live on that channel. You can subscribe to that for free. I'll put that in the chat box. Um, and today's um, presentation is being recorded. You are going to get a copy of today's slides as well as a link to the recording. Um, so we always get that in the chat box. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, guys, um, from, from a holistic special needs planning firm, um, we're, we are an advisory and consulting firm. We have over 30 years uh, of experience. Families come to us that want to plan for their loved one that has a disability that may have care needs for the rest of their life, not just the rest of the parents or the loved one's life, right? Um, we're able to come up with future care cost estimates, uh, look at transition planning. We are nationally certified as Social Security Advisors and members of uh, the Special Needs Planning Academy. We can help families set up ABLE accounts, have money in the right buckets, um, provide guidance on how and when to apply for state or federally funded programs or various waivers. Um, our whole practice is, is nuanced in special needs, and I come to you as both a parent uh, and a professional. I eat, sleep, and breathe this um, uh, every day of my life. So, um, you know, when it comes to financial advisors, there's a whole bunch of them in the, in the U.S. There's 250,000 financial advisors in the U.S., and only one-tenth of a percent of all financial advisors um, actually focus on special needs. And we always just say that your, your, your situation is specialized. It's really important to work with a specialist when it comes to planning and, um, and, and having things in place and having that, those you know, money in the right buckets and planning ahead for these things. So today is a brand new um, presentation. We have never um, um, partnered with Anna Lee Kruger in the past. We are super, super excited about this. Um, today's presentation is going to be, Are You Ready for Crisis? And she's going to be talking to us not only about our um, children um, or uh, adults uh, in our lives with disabilities. It could be seniors. It could be minor children. It could be uh, kids transitioning all across the board. Um, but in my practice, you know, that's a question that we ask a lot is, are you ready for crisis? And I think that, that the key is, is when it comes to planning, Annalie, a lot of times our lives are busy. Our, our lives are complicated. And so we have good intentions. And then somehow it gets like pushed to the side. And then we're going to get back to it. And then days turns into weeks and weeks to months and how, how you know, how it goes. 
Um, But what we're really trying to talk about today is don't wait. Let's, you know, you don't have to be a millionaire to to plan ahead. Okay. Um, You know, it's, it's about planning ahead and not waiting and for an accident or a critical, you know, stroke or brain injury or heart attack or some kind of event that wasn't necessarily planned to where the family says, wait, we didn't do this or, oh no, now, you know, now this is what we're dealing with. So Annalie, it is so, so much my pleasure to have you here with us today. Again, guys, I want to invite you guys to put your questions in the chat box as we go through. And um, Annalie, I'm going to turn it over to you. Very good. Thank you so much, Allison, for having me as your presenter today or co-presenter about um, emergency preparedness and crisis management. Uh, my name is Anna Lee Kruger. I am going to um, hopefully, can I advance the slides or are you going to do that, Allison? There you go. Okay. I'll, I'll take care of it. Okay, great. All right. Perfect. Thank you. So my name is Annalie Kruger. I come from the long-term care industry. 30 years ago when I first started in the long-term care industry, um, I started as a social worker and um, marketer for all the continuum levels of care. So independent living, assisted living, memory care, skilled rehab, and skilled nursing. And then I moved into the executive director um, position, but part of my job was always every day meeting with families, usually the adult kids who found themselves blindsided by a crisis with their parent. Maybe mom is the caregiver to dad with dementia and mom, because of caregiver burnout, became overwhelmed and she had a stroke and now she's in the hospital And the kids are like, oh my goodness, what are we supposed to do? We have to be at the hospital to talk to doctors and advocate for mom because she can't talk, but dad's not safe at home. What are we supposed to do? So every day I had families in my office because they were blindsided by the crisis. The tour would only take about an hour, but I would spend two and three hours at a time with each family because they had they had so many questions and family dynamics. And when I would ask them, you know, is there a living will in place, a power of attorney, a do not resuscitate, the answers were always the same. I don't know. Our family never talks about stuff like that. So in 2011, I decided to leave corporate America and start my own consultancy company. I went virtual right away because I have families all across the country. Um, so what we do is, is while my goal is to always reach families while they're still in that sweet spot of being proactive, where you're starting to see the writing on the wall that maybe mom and dad aren't doing as well at home as you would like to think, that's the best time to start working with us to have that aging plan put in place with facilitating the family meetings and what's working well, what's not working well, what are the goals, what, you know, as you age, aging in place at home, moving into a care community, what's that look like, what's the cost of care, all of those kind of things. So, um, so I, we went, we went virtual right away and that's, that's what we do. We work with families all across the country who, who have aging parents or special needs children. And they're like, we can't balance our lives very easily because our home life takes so much of our time and energy and so do mom and dad. And so do our career. So how do we, how do we work all this together? Um, I also wrote a book called the invisible patient um, because I've literally had thousands of adult kids say, I love mom and dad. I just don't know what to do with them and how to best serve them. While my goal is to always reach families proactively, the reality is you can see there that 92% of families come to me in crisis. 
And because they waited so long to move forward with a referral or by the time they found us, found Care Right, their relationships as a family are so strained and dysfunctional because they're all burned out and overwhelmed that 85% of my clients, I'm doing family mediation with them alongside of family meetings. All right, so next, next slide is going to be talking about aging planning and why it fits in with special needs planning and why, why it's important to have both. Okay, so we're going to cover all of those things, statistics, considerations, mistakes, red flags, strategies, and importance of family meetings. All right, so aging planning statistics or aging considerations. In 2020, ARPS survey found that 44% of caregivers report that their care recipient has or had plans in place for future care. This includes instructions like how to handle financial matters, so like their financial power of attorney, healthcare directives, and living arrangements. 38% report that there was no such plans in place. 18% aren't sure what is in place, and 45% of caregivers indicate they have plans in place for their own future care. But often what that, and you can go to the next slide, often what people think is that they have everything buttoned up if they are working with a financial planner or a financial advisor, if they have long-term care insurance, and if they have their estate documents. A lot of people just assume that that means that everything is buttoned up, but it's not. <laughs> the aging plan is all of the day-to-day -day stuff and caregiver burnout and dad's in the hospital again or mom's dementia progressed. What are we going to do? So when you think about aging considerations, um, this is this is the format or this is the profile of a typical family. They most families don't live down the street anymore like they used to 30 years ago when I first started working with families. So if you're an out of state son or daughter to aging parents, how are you going to manage when there's that medical crisis? When you get that crisis call that dad had a stroke and he's in the hospital and you have to leave your home and fly to wherever it is that dad lives and you have a special needs child, how are you going to manage all of that? What if your parent who is a primary caregiver becomes ill? What is your plan? You're banking on mom being healthy to take care of dad with dementia, but what if her health changes or she dies unexpectedly? What about your child with special needs? Who will take care of them while you are away? Example, one of my best girlfriends has a special needs child who only, um, only she and the grandmother are trained to be able to manage his care needs and his behavior needs. The mom had an unexpected, obviously unexpected stroke. And now my friend is left um, trying to take care of her, her special needs son manage her mom's care, and run her business. So these are obviously very real, everyday things that happen. Are you in a financial position to leave work for a period of time or step away from your business for a period of time to manage all of these crises? What if you have two aging parents and then you also have two aging in-laws and they all start getting sick around the same time and you got two of them in a hospital in two different states? How are you as a family going to juggle all of that? And is your spouse supportive of your crisis trips? You know, it's most spouses in the beginning are like, oh, okay, this is awful that your dad fell again. He has Parkinson's and he falls a lot and you have to leave, you know, leave our home for a period of time. But after the fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever number that is, the spouse is going to be like, look, you don't have any energy for our own family, our own marriage. And all these crisis airfares are like $1,200 a pop. And you're, you're missing a lot of our own family time. So what, what is going to be your plan? 
what if your parents need two levels of care? You know, what if mom is demented and she needs memory care because she's wandering around and has her days, nights and days and nights mixed up, but dad needs independent living level of care. How are you going to make sure that they don't end up separated as they age? Will you be satisfied if your loved ones end up wherever there is an open bed because you didn't put a plan in place? Because that's how that works. If you don't, if you're not already on the waiting list or your loved one isn't already on the waiting list of several care communities, they will end up in whatever facility has an open bed. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be the right fit. And then you, as the caregiver, you're already a full-time caregiver to a, a loved one with special needs. How are you holding up? When you get that crisis call that, you know, something has happened with your aging parents or your in-laws and you're already, you know, kind of burning out as a caregiver, you might not have enough emotional bandwidth, grit, energy, or time or support to now have to take care of aging parents and have to maybe travel back and forth. So what conversations have you had as a family about the what whens of aging, where are you going to live? What do you have in order? What do you have for insurance? What are your burial wishes? These are conversations families don't want to have. That's why I started my that's why I started my company in the first place because families aren't talking. Um, I yes, this is this is so important and and one of the things that I you know I think for the most of the families that we serve, again they have a loved one, a, a, maybe a child or an adult child with a disability that may have care needs for the rest of their life. And so, you know, we do have a lot of families that are saying, hey, I'm pretty good right now, but I'm not getting any younger. I mean, I've had, um, you know, I've had people call me and say, you know, I'm 85 now. And my granddaughter is absolutely full care and I feel pretty good. But I mean, it's only a limited amount of time before I, my health is going to start to fail. You know, where do we go from here? And so I think everything that you're talking about is so critically important just as as we're thinking about our aging family members, but it just, it's kind of on steroids. If you have a loved one with a disability that you are the primary caregiver for, I, that it's really concerning. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, I cannot stress the difference between a proactive minded family who has the intellect of saying, Ooh, I'm seeing the red flags here. Let's act on this versus families who chose to wait until they're in crisis mode, those family meetings, the tone of them are completely different. There's laughter and joy and joking in a proactive family um, family meeting, and then there's not any of that when there's families in crisis because they're burned out, they're scared, and they're overwhemmed. So mistakes, um, emotions definitely run high in those situations. Run high, sure. and big decisions have to be made quickly. And people make knee-jerk reactions, and they don't know what they don't know. And then they make huge, massively huge, and expensive, in many ways, expensive relationship-wise and financially and care options-wise. They make huge mistakes because they don't know what they don't know. Everyone thinks that they have more time to put a plan together, and they simply don't. All the people that had major strokes last Thursday didn't wake up thinking, huh, I think I'm going to have a major stroke and really upset the apple cart of my life, my finances, and my own family's finances, and, and my own family's time and well-being. So there's a fair amount of denial that I have found that we have to kind of work through with most families because they just think that they have more time or everything is going great right now. And I always say that's good. Like this is the best time to plan if you want to have the best quality care options and the best family dynamic outcomes. 
ignoring the red flags or warnings that are almost always there. That's a huge mistake. Um, weight loss. If you see, if you're seeing caregiver burnout, whether that's you as the caregiver or your mom or your dad, who's the caregiver to their spouse, who's ill, ignoring those signs of when a parent or a loved one says, Oh, I just can't sleep anymore. Or every time I, my head hits the pillow, all I do is worry about your dad. Those are blatant, obvious <laughs> indications of worry and stress and caregiver burnout. Depression and anxiety with a caregiver is so prevalent. Death of the primary caregiver or aging parent who's the primary caregiver. We know that, that caregivers age 66 and over who are the primary caregiver of a debilitated uh, care recipient have a 66% mortality rate. So adult kids or people should just, they should never be surprised when that primary caregiver takes ill or dies. It, it just never occurs to them that this could potentially kill one of their aging parents. Dementia progression. So many of my clients come to me so ill informed and uneducated about dementia progression and what that really looks like from a care from a care need, 24-7 um, care, and just what that what that disease does to their behavior, to their personality, to their mindset, to their to their decision making abilities. So dementia progression is a huge piece of the education that we also provide. ER visits is a red flag that, you know, when people are in and out of the ER or hospitalized frequently, that's a sign that things aren't going well at home and we need to be putting an aging plan in place like STAT. Falls is another example of these are red flags that most adult children ignore or they think that somehow miraculously things are going to get better on their own and they aren't. We don't get healthier as we age. We get more debilitated and lose mobility and need assistance as we age. So part of this is really breaking through that denial. Mistakes families make with their aging loved ones continued, ignoring your own warning signs of caregiver burnout or compassion fatigue, feeling angry, feeling on edge, resentment, strained relationships. Um, oh my goodness, if mom needs one more thing from me today, I'm going to lose it. You know, gritting your teeth and trying to not like talk back or be sassy. Um, missed work or career opportunities. A lot of us adult kids are the caregivers to our aging parents and it can jeopardize our careers. It can jeopardize our own finances. If we're not working, we're not making money. And if we're not making money, we're probably not contributing to our, to our retirement accounts. Changes in your weight changes in your sleep, feel like your own life is spinning out of control. Those are all red flags that if you're the caregiver, you, you need to be putting a plan in place. Waiting until crisis mode versus proactive planning is, is unfortunately what most people choose to do or seem to do. But if you want to have the best outcomes, you need to plan ahead. The other, the other thing is not having family meetings to discuss the what whens of aging and not having documents in order. And we'll talk about the grab and go binder and, and what that looks like um, further into this presentation. Um, Anna Lee, can you address, because I know for some of the families that are on here and I hear this at least once a week of it's me, I'm the end of the line. I am the caregiver for my adult with special needs. Um, we don't have any other family either in this state or none at all. I really worry what's going to happen to my loved one when I'm gone. 
do you have suggestions for families in these in these situations like if when they feel like they don't have anywhere to turn how do they navigate that yeah so that's that's often what we're working with with our clients is and that's why we facilitate the family meetings you know tell us what's going on with your family what's working what's not working what are the concerns what keeps you up at night what do you want to take off your caregiver plate and then let's put a let's let's put a viable suitable plan together so that you don't have to worry and you can get your peace of mind back and again a lot of this is understanding what their care options are ahead of time versus finding out when the discharge planner at the hospital says oh your mom sally is going to be discharged tomorrow and you're like to where and what what's happening so so it's really critical to know what those care options are have have your aging parents you know have these conversations and be on the waiting list of care communities you know, we do a care matrix. So we do all of the market research of everything families need to know so they can make informed decisions. What's the waiting list look like? Do they offer, do these care communities in your area offer the levels of care that you need now and down the road? What happens if you run out of money? How sick can your loved one be and still stay in assisted living? What are they licensed for? Are you going to get that call that says, look, you know, sorry, but you you ran out of money and now your mom has to move. And now, now where is she going to go? Trying to get into a Medicaid care community is, is not ideal at all. And so... So that's why we, that's why in those situations in any situation, it's really we have to start these family meetings and start we need to work together now and start having the put a plan in place so that these families can have the best possible outcomes. We had somebody in the chat box say, hey, I'm the sole caregiver to my two special needs kids and I'm slowly needing to care more for my widowed mom. How far in the future should I look at putting her on a wait list for memory care facilities? What's, what is that timeline? That's a great question. Yep. And that's, again, the proactive nature of putting an aging plan in place, right? So that we can say, okay, where, where do you live? What, you know, where does it make sense for mom to potentially move to as far as a memory care? We've forever had a national shortage of memory quality memory care beds across the country. And that's, that's only gotten worse, especially since the pandemic. Some, some memory care communities only allow females. Some are only for males because of behaviors and sexual behaviors and all that kind of stuff. You have to, your loved one has to financially, physically, cognitively, and behaviorally qualify to get into any level of care. They have, they be assessed before they can move in. And so that's why we teach families, what are your options? And everybody's situations are unique. Depends on what the financial picture looks like. What are her behaviors? Is she going to be hard for a community to want to accept into their care because she's combative and violent and biting and kicking? You know, that's why we work with these families on a white glove customized approach because everybody, everybody is different. But in general, the sooner that you can start wrapping your mind around all of these scenarios and all of these issues and start doing tours of care communities that are the right fit, and that's why we look at all of, there's about 15 different things that we gather for information for our families so they can make smart decisions. Otherwise, what they do is they do all of this um, tours on their own and they don't know what questions to ask. They don't know what to look for. And then they end up having to relocate their parent two or three different times. And that's the worst thing you can possibly do to someone with dementia. One thing I want to mention here, Anna Lee, and I know that you and I talked about this before, um, 
There are some locating services out there that you don't have to pay for, okay? We're not going to name names here, but you don't have to pay for them. But you want to be very careful. I personally want to caution you about using those services. Those services are paid for by those facilities. And so they're not looking out for what's in the best interest of your loved one. They're looking out for what's the best interest and best payout for themselves. They're not looking for this perfect fit. So it's the difference of the free services and commission-based services versus hiring someone who's really listening to the family and looking out for your loved one, whether it's a special needs adult child or whether it's someone elderly in your life, whether it's for yourself. Um, I, I just wanted to make a point on that. You can speak to that a little bit more, but I'm kind of against that. If we're really, truly mm-hmm. looking for a good fit, I get free is nice, but you're getting what you pay for is I, I just want to convey that. And I am glad you brought that up, Allison, because the other caveat to that is, in my opinion, these are people and their lives. They're not a boat or a truck meant to be sold to the highest bidder. Whereas we work with families, we value the relationship. That's why I don't advertise. I've never had to advertise because all of our clients come to us for more to mouth referrals because we care about our clients' outcomes. The other thing to think about with those, what they're called, they're called placement companies. It's just a transaction. So once mom has moved into the facility and they get their kickback, you don't hear from them again. So what if they moved her into, or what if you moved her into a facility that's a poor performer or they don't allow cameras? And that's an, that's an important thing, you know? And so it's a transaction. It's a one and done and there's no follow through. So if you're in a care community that doesn't offer quality care, there's, they don't teach you anything about how to be a bold advocate. We have an eight page checklist that we provide our clients about, okay, if you're going to be the advocate, these are things you have to check on that you, you wouldn't think you'd have to check on because you're paying thousands of dollars a month for care, but you have to. And so we, it's, ours is a lot of education and teaching and support through the whole process through end of life. And you're not going to get that. It's a, it's a transaction with those placement companies. And you know, the thing is, is um, uh, for a lot of families, it's baptized by fire. Like you learn some of these things because you've gone through it. You've gone through this crisis or a lot of things. It's just like, you've never done this before. So how do you know what to do or where to start? And again, if, if a loved one is not doing well, you're not doing well, you're not feeling happy about those things and worry and all those kinds of things. So I just, yeah, very, very important. Thank you for that. Well, that's, that's why I do all, all these webinars and podcasts to say, hey, there's there's a service out here that helps you navigate all of this because you can't expect to make the right decisions when you're in uncharted territory and emotions are high. You know, common, common misinformation that families come to us, and this is about 99% of families, they use Medicare and Medicaid interchangeably as if it's the same program, or they'll use assisted living and nursing home as if it's the exact same level of care. Or they're like, if dad's dementia progresses or if mom's Parkinson's disease progresses. So, so, you know, it seems like when we have a loved one with special needs, we research that the entire disease forward and backwards so that we know what our loved one is going to, you know, have to endure or what we're going to have to endure if we have a child with special needs. But yet as, as adult children, when dad gets that dementia diagnosis, 
we don't research, we don't research it to know what is this going to entail for him and what's this going to entail for his finances and us as a family, or what's what happens when dad no longer recognizes us or he hits me because he doesn't recognize me as his daughter. So so that's why we educate families. A lot of what we do is really just education. And again, you know, memory impairment, most of my clients um, have memory impairment. Um, there's many diseases out there that that are a dementing illness. And, and so I, I work with almost all of them, but missed appointments. So like, these are the red flags. If you have, if you're starting to see the red flags of maybe mom or dad aren't doing well at home, these, this is another list. <laughs> we can go through those, but I, I wanna be mindful of time because you, you are gonna get this as a PowerPoint as well. So, but those are some red flags of memory impairment and please don't ignore them because dementia is a progressive brain disease. Their brain just shrinks, shrinks, shrinks. And that's why you see all of these changes in their mood, behavior and ability to make smart decisions. Um, we did have a question in the chat box, and I know all of your contact information and your business is um, going to be how they can contact you is going to be in the slides. Um, they said, how do how do you get paid? It can't, your services can't be free. And absolutely, the services aren't free, but the families pay for their services. This is a private pay paid by families. It's not paid by insurance. Facilities don't give her a kickback. You want to comment any further on that? And then, and I know you can do. I think you have tailored um, services to each mm -hmm. situation where you talk to the family, you know, about that. T tell us about that really quick. Yeah, so it starts really with a 30 minute free Zoom consult to say, okay, what what's the what's the background here? What's happening? And what what is what's your concern? And are you uncomfortable enough with your situation? that it makes sense to put a plan in place or crisis management? So it, it starts with that complimentary um, 30 minute Zoom consult, then we can take it from there as far as what package or maybe you just need a few hours of consulting to kind of get things in order. Um, so we work with we work with most people's budget. Um, but yes, we are fee for service. And as far as I know, CareRight is the only company in the country still <laughs> so far that is providing these types of services and the virtual advocacy services as well. So, so far we're still um, the leader in the market, which is great. Um, so yep, start, it, it just starts with that 30 minute consult. Red flags that you're heading into a crisis. And I know this is like a really big triangle and probably hard to read, but we're just gonna go through this really quickly because some of it is a um, recap of what we talked about on the slides already. but. But the blue triangle at the top, when you're starting to see and you're starting to get concerned about maybe forgetfulness or weight loss or they're unsteady when they're walking or, or your loved one is starting to make poor decisions like, you know, getting scammed by by anybody who calls and they're giving out their credit card information. Those are some pretty red flags that you cannot keep ignoring. Worry, the second stage, and these are just examples, but worry that your loved one will get scammed, more falls in ER visits or hospitalizations, concern that your loved one has dementia, maybe they're starting to be repetitive when they call you or when you see them, things just aren't looking like they should be at home. You're starting to provide more care oversight and starting to worry more, you're starting to mention your concerns to your siblings, but no one else is concerned. That's that denial piece that I talked about, that I talk about literally every single day. 
you begin missing more work and you're dropping off meals, you are starting to handle medications, coordinate doctor appointments, you're feeling, starting to feel overwhelmed, your loved one's dementia has progressed, and you're struggling to manage the mood, behavior, personality changes associated with dementia. So you can see how you're like heading into this crisis. Your spouse is frustrated with you because you're not present in your marriage. You are missing out on more and more of your own children or grandchildren's events. You try to stress your concerns to your siblings, but they think you are overreacting. You are starting to feel alone in this caregiving journey and begin to begin to wonder if you are in over your head. We call that, I call that the caregiver snowball, where it starts out feeling manageable, but then all of this other stuff becomes apparent and you're missing work and you're starting to be worried at night and you can't sleep. You know you're in crisis when you are spending several hours a week tending to your loved ones. Your siblings are not helping you and you are feeling angry, resentful, overwhelmed, and you spend most of your time and energy worrying and you realize you are in over your head. You are fighting with your siblings and your spouse often, and you don't know what to do. Your loved one is in and out of the hospital, and you are physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. So those are red flags that if any of that spoke to you, <laughs> we need to be talking. Aging strategies. Caregiving and aging can be a positive experience if families have an aging plan. Just like you have an insurance plan or you have a financial plan or you have your legal plans in order, aging planning is just as important as all of those other plans that you probably already have in place. Because again, the quality of care is going to be impacted and your quality options are going to be jeopardized and limited if you choose to wait until you or, you or your parents are in a medical crisis. When you see these red flags, that's when it's the best time to call. Just like when you're, you know, just as when you're choosing to work with like Allison and her team, you have better outcomes the sooner you start working with a professional versus being 62 years old and say, okay, Allison, here's my $500,000. I want to retire next year and I'm going to probably live till I'm 105, work your magic. And you're like, wait, what? You should have come to me like 30 years ago. So, so the sooner that, that we can start putting that proactive plan in place versus a crisis plan, the better. So I, this, you know, this part, and again, we know that we have families here that are here because they have a, a loved one with a disability. And, and, and again, um, sometimes in both situations where we have, you know, aging, you know, family members in our life, in addition to a loved one with a disability. Um, and, you know, these are a lot of statistics and a lot of our families, we, we know these 54 million Americans cope with special needs. Um, you know, there's 41 million Americans or almost 15% of the population age five or older have some type of disability. Um, about 20% of Americans between the ages of 16 and 64 suffer some form of um, physical or mental or emotional impairment. And 75% of special needs adults are without employment. So we know underemployment or without employment is, is a real thing. So these are some of the things that, that we're, um, you know, uh, addressing. And so some of the things that, that we work with families on is developing um, a future special needs care plan that includes those um, future care cost estimates, like, you know, 
how 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 much money does my child need when I'm gone? How much money do we need to fund the special needs trust for their future care? Um, we help families um, and kind of direct them on the Medicaid waivers and the interest list, all states. So if you're joining us by podcast or out of state, all states have Medicaid waivers. Um, they, they're not all the same. They're different. And they may have different names, but they do require Medicaid eligibility. Some of the states have no waiting lists. Some states, uh, like Texas, for instance, has a 17 to 18-year waiting list for most of the big waivers that help with attendance services or respite services or things like that. So we do have an entire um, webinar on the Medicaid waivers on our YouTube channel. You can check that out with links on how to apply, how to get on the list, and that kind of thing. We kind of explain all of the different ones. Um, we help families understand um, SSI and SSDI and where you were talking about, um, you know, that people use the term Medicaid and Medicare inter interchangeably. They also use the term SSI and SSDI interchangeably, and there are two very, very different separate programs. Um, so knowing what those programs are, when, do, when and how to apply um, and what to expect with that process is important. And one thing I always note here, guys, is that Everything changes um, when your child turns 18 or when your loved one turns 18. You may have applied for things in the past and, and, and maybe you were denied and you were pretty angry because you couldn't even fathom being denied. But it might have been because you were just denied because of assets or income. Everything changes when they turn 18. It's based off of their assets and income, not yours. Even if you have full guardianship, even if they live un you know, in your house, under your roof. So you can um, reach out to us on that. Um, ABLE accounts, there's two places that people can have money um, outside of the $2,000 um, Medicaid requirement. Guys, that hasn't changed in like 30 or 40 years. It's kind of on the block to change. Um, I heard that it was suggested that to go up to 10,000, it didn't pass. Um, it's time for that to pass, but it didn't. It's still $2,000. Um, but there are two places that we can have um, money outside of, you know, a regular bank account that won't be counted for Medicaid or SSI purposes, and that is an ABLE account if the individual's disability started prior to age 26, which, by the way, in 2026, uh, they changed the law, effective 2026, that the disability had to start prior to age 46. So we're going to have 20 more years uh, to play with as far as the disability starting. Um, but an ABLE account is one place and a special needs trust is another place that we can have money for the future care cost um, of, of our loved ones with a disability. Um, there is a look back. So, you know, some of the elder care planning, and I know, Annalie, you probably make this recommendation of an, an elder law attorney. Mm -hmm. um, if we have family members that don't necessarily have a lot of money, um, maybe they have 10 grand, for instance, and two grand is what they have to have um, to be Medicaid eligible. Um, you know, there is some elder planning that goes along um, with that. There's some gifting and some other things that happen. There is a look back period, and I believe it's three years um, is, is the look back for that. But don't wait for the crisis to happen because you do have a look back period. So, so I just want to make that, that clear. Um, we always talk to our families about beneficiary designations um, because of that $2,000. It is critically important that we don't um, name our aging family member that you may want to qualify for Medicaid. I don't know if you do or not, 
um, but also are any special needs um, children or adults uh, that are going to be eligible for SSI and Medicaid or any of those Medicaid rate waivers. Because when we leave money directly to the child as opposed to their special needs trust, uh, it jeopardizes their eligibility for Medicaid and SSI. And it renders you um, you completely necessary to hire an attorney and, and, and get a first party special needs trust, get a court order from a judge. We call it an oops trust. Oops, I forgot not to do this. Or my parents, I forgot not to, uh, I forgot to, to, to talk to my parents and tell them not to leave money directly to my kid. So, um, so those are really, really important. And again, our recommendations to, are always to start um, touring residential living communities um, sooner versus later. It costs you nothing but your time. Generally, um, most of the places to put you on their waiting list, they do require a tour. After COVID, a lot of them did go to a virtual tour. I've toured a lot of places. And my opinion is, just take the day, go tour in person because you can see and it's not just virtual. You can really see and feel the vibe there and you know your loved one if they're going to be a fit there. So make a day of it. Take a day trip. Go have lunch afterwards or something. Make you know. But I every one I've ever toured, I was really happy that I did. Um, as it relates to special needs, and we do have all of these on our YouTube channel, um, you know, consider guardianship, alternatives to guardianship, power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney. In Texas, we have supported decision-making agreement. And guys, I can't stress this any more than when it comes to your aging family members. Um, having that power of attorney and that healthcare power of attorney before that crisis happens and I always would be remiss to say, don't forget your neurotypical kids that you're sending off to college at age 18. I'm also a fan of the power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney um, when it comes to that. Many families, um, I would say, I mean, up 90, 95% of families either have a very outdated will, power of attorney, or healthcare power of attorney, or none at all. That is one of those things that we were talking about in the beginning that we're going to do and then we don't get to. Um, so if you're taking notes, just put that on your priority list, um, you know, to, to, to look at those things as a very, very important when we're talking about crisis and things like that. And then, um, of course, we also think um, when we're thinking about special needs of, as any, you know, post high school education options, um, older kid options, transition programs, day programs, various programs um, that also can provide um, some caregiver respite, right? So if we have um, a loved one, I call it the marathon, not the sprint. So if we have a loved one that's going to have care needs for the rest of their life, it's the marathon, not the sprint. And we've got to have some built-in respite for the caregiver. So if that's a day program that they go to, to two to three to five days a week. Um, if it's a summer program where you get three months off during the week, or whatever it might be, right? Um, these, these programs are really going to be um, important to your own health. The thing is, is um, as parents, we're always doing for our, our loved ones and putting ourselves on the back burner. And as you were talking about burnout, that's what I was thinking about. So having some kind of balance with that is really, really important. Um, so the key things to remember for a special needs family member, make sure you're receiving all the government benefits you deserve. There are a lot of programs, childhood disability benefits under a parent's record when a, a child's disability started prior to age 22. We talked about SSI and, and Medicaid. 
when a child is eligible for childhood disability benefits after 24 months, they'll be eligible for Medicare. So there'll be um, concurrent enrollees of Medicaid and Medicare. Um, And it's very, very important to have money in the right buckets to maintain those government benefits. And for a lot of our families, it's to maintain the Medicaid waiver. Um, Some of these Medicaid waivers, some of the names that I'm thinking of for Texas are HCS, Texas Home Living, Community First Choice, the class waiver. Those are examples of waivers, and they do pay, pay, provide attendant hours. Some of them provide therapy. Some of them provide respite hours. And all of these waivers are designed to keep your loved one with a disability in home and community-based services versus institutionalization, right? That's the point of these waivers. So um, some of these budgets on these waivers are as much as $340,000 a year. So it's not small. So that's why it's, you know, because I've had families say, well, who cares about SSI? It's 914 a month. I mean, what does that pay for groceries? Like, you know, it doesn't cover a lot. Um, But I think it's the Medicaid eligibility that's required for these waivers and these big budgets of these waivers that really, really matters. and and really, it's important not to underestimate the amount of money that you need to take care of your loved one for the rest of their life. I talk about this as being the third retirement bucket. So if you're in a marriage, okay, we got husband and wife and 25 to 35 years in retirement. And then if we have a loved one that has care needs for the rest of their life, it's almost like another, a third retirement bucket. And so that's why where those future care cost estimates are very, very important. Uh, we, um, we, when we do those estimates, we do, I, I call it small, medium, and large. What if your child needs some help? Like maybe they need an attendant that comes in and checks on them a couple of times a week. Um, What if they need more help? What if they need full residential care? What does this look like, small, medium, and large? Um, So we can provide those estimates for families on that. Um, And I think the big thing, and we were talking about beneficiary um, designations earlier, and I would just suggest here, um, if you have any family members in your life that might leave your loved one with a disability, some type of money or inheritance, um, I just have some intentional conversations with these family members. Earlier, I told you there's 250,000 advisors, financial advisors in the U.S., and about 125 of them have any background at all in special needs. And what yep. that tells me is grandma and grandpa's advisor doesn't have any you know, experience in special needs. So they need to be educated. Grandma and grandpa or any you know, loving family members that want to leave money, they want to do it the right way. They're not trying to do it the wrong way. But we have to educate them that it is important and imperative that it goes to a third party special needs trust uh, to avoid those problems that we were talking about. Okay, let's see here. Um, we have um, we have something in the question uh, in the chat box. The medical power of attorney document provided by HHS. Um, state requires a physician statement um, stating mental competence of the patient. Um, is there any way around this? Yes, don't use the state document. Absolutely. I mean, so first of all, healthcare power of attorney and power of attorney does not is not required to be signed off on um, by a physician. Now, there are um, documents that do need to be signed off on if, um, by a physician in the example you have guardianship. In the example that you have guardianship of the person, you don't need the power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney. You have those rights under the guardianship of the person. But a power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney, I would, I would also like to say, and you guys have probably heard me say this before, 
I'm not a fan of do-it-yourself legal work, okay? No. We work with a lot of attorneys um, that are not nuanced and special needs, and they, even though they themselves are an attorney, they're still working with an attorney that is nuanced and special needs or an elder law planning attorney. They might be a real estate attorney or tax law attorney, but they're not a special needs attorney. So I'm not a fan of do-it-yourself legal work. Um, you know, we are happy to provide referrals. We have referrals of great attorneys all across the state, um, and we can definitely help you with that. Even across the country, we can help you with that as well. Um, there are things, when it comes to a power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney, there are downloadable documents from the web that you can get Texas for for something like that, you could do that. We don't recommend anything like that as far as creating your own will or trust or anything. I always say, don't get crazy. You know, <laughs> there's places that we got, we, there's places that we got to spend some money on and you want your, in the time of crisis, you want to make sure that your documents are right. The last thing that I want to warn here, um, and we do run into this every week, Annalie, is um, questions about families that have a loved one with a disability and there isn't a guardianship in place, but there probably should be in that example. Um, and what I mean by that, in general, our kids are going to sign whatever we put in front of them when they're 18 or older. If you put a healthcare power of attorney and a power of attorney in front of them, if they have you know, the ability, they'll sign what you tell them to sign. But what we have seen over the last year is where people didn't have the guardianship, they had a power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney signed by an individual that did not have capacity. So, um, you know, I'm talking about intellectual disabilities, IQs below 70, the incapacity to understand a contract or what they are signing, and have actually seen in a healthcare setting where the physicians, where the parent presented the healthcare power of attorney, power of attorney in a hospital setting, and it was denied because the hospital said, mm -mm, this person doesn't have capacity and they didn't have capacity before this, right? So this isn't gonna fly. So all I would say there guys is just, um, you don't have to know what you need as far as guardianship or, um, or partial guardianship or the power of attorney or healthcare power of attorney. All you need to know is that you need to work with a qualified attorney, they're gonna listen. And they're going to learn about your loved one and they're going to walk you through the steps of each of your options and help you come to that right decision. So just don't, I know a lot of families do very much stress over this. So I just want to tell you not to, and the attorneys will help you with that um, for sure. Um, Anna Lee, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. So I are, we probably have very similar conversations about this type of thing with our clients, right? <laughs> Because I always tell families too, because you know people always want the cheapest route. Well, there's places to trim the budget, and legal is not one of them because it will come back to bite you in most cases, and then it'll it's just going to cost you thousands of dollars to undo what you did going the cheap route. So, and just like you, you have a whole trusted network of professionals. That's one of your value propositions of working with you. Same thing with Care Right. We have vetted professionals all across the country so that you don't have to just Google and hope for the best and, and provide that type of, you know, and, and find that type of provider. So leverage the professionals who are in this industry who care about you and your outcomes. And don't just, don't just like use Google and, and try to be like, okay, what attorney should I use? Work with someone who's already vetted these people. For sure. Um, all right. I think we've kind of talked about most of these things. I think for the sake of time, we've got about 
nine minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. Starting on time and ending on time, I'm going to turn that back over to you on the importance of family meetings. Yep, and I think we covered this pretty well too earlier in the presentation about that's that's that is one of the many reasons I started my own company in the first place is because families kept saying we never talk about stuff like this so they didn't know what their parents had in order for insurance or they didn't know who their parents financial planner was or where the estate you know who the estate attorney was if any of that was even in place so the importance of family meetings is you've you've got to be able to um, have these conversations, be comfortable with them, which takes time. If you feel like you're not able to have these family meetings on your own because you you are in uncharted territory or your family dynamics are such that you just can't have these types of in-depth conversations as a family, that's what we're here to help you with is be that neutral third-party person to guide you through that whole family meeting and um, put some solutions in place so that you're not trying to do all of this at the 11th hour and being overwhelmed by the whole process. So Family meetings, if you try to try to do it on your own and it's not working out, um, you know, that's what we're here to help you with. And one tip that I that I provide is that, you know, we we hear from people that say, oh, gosh, you know, our family members, they keep their cards close to their chest. They, we don't talk about this kind of stuff. Um, that's something that we hear. Um, and, and we are aware of, of situations like that. But what we have found, too, is if you say, you know, listen, mom or dad, we have recently um, updated our, our, our planning documents, our wills, our trust and things like that. We've really been looking at this and we've been very intentional on all of these things. Uh, you know, where are things at if something happens to us? And I'd like to share this with you if something happens to us, where these things are, you know. Um, but when I was getting this together and planning to have this conversation with you, I realized I don't know these things about you. And, you know, I, I want, you know, I don't want to get in your business on any account values or anything like that. But I need to know the critical information that if something happens to you, where am I going to find this information? Who, beyond the shadow of a doubt, do I need to call? I want to have these conversations now and not wait till, you know, the crisis happens and realize that I didn't know it. And when you bridge it that way, a lot of people are willing to have those conversations. And I think, too, like, because that's one of the most common questions I get asked on our consults or me and my team get asked is, okay, this is all great because it's the adult kids who are calling me because they're like, oh, dad's in the hospital. What do we do now? And so this is how I encourage and coach our clients or our prospects and our clients to say, okay, this is how you broach it with mom and dad. Just simply leverage this webinar and say, you know, I was on this or I, I listened to this webinar and this really hit home for us. We don't want to be ill prepared for when there's an, a crisis or the next time you go to the hospital. We, we really need to get our ducks in a row. You can always ask, also ask, you know, what are your goals as you age, mom and dad? And I promise you they will say two things. One is I want to age in place at home. That's great. Let's have some conversation about what that looks like and what if you need care or when you need care. What do you have for finances to be able to pay that? You know, I have clients that are paying twenty and thirty thousand dollars a month in home care, and being able to be able to stay at home because they don't want to go to a care facility. So we need to have these conversations. You can also ask questions they can't say no to. 
mom and dad, is it important for you to have a say in what happens to you and where you live as you age? Because again, remember, I started my company because the sons and daughters are the ones touring the care facilities, not having any idea what's in place for their parents, right? So you can ask those questions and again, leverage this webinar and say, this brought up a lot of conversations for our own family. Let's talk about it as, as an extended family as well. The grab and go binder is critical because again, when I was still an employee, adult kids had no idea what their parents had in order. So this is what it looks like in real life. Um, we also have a digital version of it as well, but there are 11 tabs in here. And um, it's like, who are the emergency people to contact? Who are your providers? Who's your, who is your financial planner? Who's your estate attorney? Who's your CPA? Um, so there's 11 headings in there, accounts, passwords, medical information, um, getting all, you know, funeral plans, estate documents, financial, you know, what do you have for assets? It's really getting everything in order, making sure that the documents and beneficiary forms and everything is up to date. I can't tell you how many families come to us and when we're doing the grab and go binder and we're helping them fill out their binder, if they purchase that package, then we'll help help them fill out their binder. But they're like, we don't know any of this information, right? And so behind each heading is a checklist of suggested items to include in that particular section. But I can tell you most of our most of the clients that come to us, they have totally outdated documents or maybe they had documents from Michigan, but now they live in Texas and it's like, OK, maybe you should get Texas documents if you can. Or the decision makers that they named 20 years ago are dead, demented, or they no longer have that trusted relationship with that person. So it really helps you get organized. And then each of the headings or each of the tabs in the binder work as a family agenda item in case you decide you want to kind of tackle having your own family meeting about this type of stuff. We also have a digital version, like I said, which is the same as the hard version, but we have a special needs section because we work with a lot of families that have mom and dad kept, you know, Johnny at home. Well, now dad has dementia and mom can't take care of Johnny and dad, and they all need to be looking at, okay, what are we going to do? Where are we going to live and where are we going to get the care and what can we afford? So we have a digital, in the digital version, we've got the special needs section as well so that you know, God forbid something happens to you and you're the parent of a special needs or um, special needs adult. Um, all of this is already buttoned up. I already talked about the book. It's it's kind of like the do-it-yourself version um, because again, I've had thousands of adult sons and daughters say, I don't know what to do with mom and dad. And if they didn't want to retain us to do it, white glove approach or coach them individually through how to facilitate family meetings, how to choose care communities, how to you know tour these care communities, what are the pros and cons of aging in place at home. So I wrote all this in a book. <laughs> so there's there's that as a resource if that's of interest to you. Um, so can we find that on Amazon? Um, you can. Um, you can also we have we've got the um, invisiblepatientbook.com. The the downside of Amazon is that we have no idea who purchases the book. But when they buy it through the invisiblepatientbook.com website, then we can at least develop the relationship and say, hey, thanks for purchasing the book. Um, my tech team is like super way better at this type of stuff than me. So they put that little QR code in there. So that is a list of um, considerations. If you have aging family care, if you have aging family loved ones, there's a, you can take a picture of that little square there and then a whole list of more information will pop up for you. 
And as a reminder, everybody is going to get an email um, with today's slides, so you don't have to hurry up and grab your phone and feel like right, you missed right. it. So you, you are going to get today's slides for sure. And um, also, we'll have Anna Lee's um, contact information um, that we have here. Um, wow, this was so great. Um, I think we need a part two of this. Um, so uh, we will plan uh, to schedule with you again, Annalie. The thing is, is everything happens so fast. We've, you know, we've talked about that before. It's like, um, you know, we have good intentions and then things, you know, other things fall apart, the wheels off the bus. And so we didn't get to the other things. So I, I think, you know, hearing this and, and just knowing um, that we're not alone and kind of in this journey is um, for sure a thing. Guys, we have upcoming webinars. Um, you can click this link when you get the slides and it'll take you to any other upcoming webinars. Uh, that we have on any of the other topics. I, I always um, want to mention our team. It's not just me. We work on a collaborative team at Consolidated Planning Group, um, and we always um, offer um, free personalized co consultations, and I have a good um, team too, so I did not do the QR code. So there you go. That's how you get on our calendar. Um, we have a free consultation, um, and it'll take you to a calendar, and you can book a day and time that works good uh, for you. If you've been attending by podcast and you would like a copy of today's slides, you can get those at contact at cpgcares.net or calling at 281-690-1177. That's 281-690-1177. And um, Anna Lee did um, put her contact information, her personal cell phone number is in the chat box. So um, should you want to reach out and kind of um, learn more about planning uh, the care for your loved one, absolutely. Um, we certainly encourage that. Guys, it's been my pleasure. We are right on time at 1 o'clock. Yep. And Annalie, again, thank you for taking the time uh, to partner uh, with us. And we will absolutely look forward to part two of this conversation. So have a good one, everyone. Take care. Thanks. Bye now. Securities and advisory services offered through Triad Advisors, member FINRA and SIPC, Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated and Triad Advisors LLC are not affiliated. Advisory services offered through Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated. Consolidated Planning Group Incorporated is not affiliated with Triad Advisors.